Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about what to do with your corn if it doesn't dry down to full dry. In our spotlight, we'll look at some RNA technology targeting corn rootworm. AIK History Minute will have the history of the Yield Guard plus corn. We'll wrap things up with some cool beans that's corny in our new segment, the Field Good Friday. So with me today are Bill Schaumburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up everybody? Todd Schaumburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, are we all recovered from Sunday? Yeah. It's bear week. Uh, you know, I just thought of, we should have had you playing Cuts Like a Knife. <laughs> Cuts Like a Knife, that would have been, that would have been a good, good song to, to come in to this, like, I mean, I think, I don't know if you guys were, but I was hyped up, you know, Zadarius was talking trash, those guys were like, yeah, whatever, and I think you're you're remembering things wrong, like, perfect opportunity to set up for, like, yep, go home, go to their house, crush them, and, and the opposite. get run over. <laughs> and the opposite. Zadarius looked... Like, his back did not hurt at all. Like, no. he looked, like, perfectly fine, so he did not play like that for us for the last two years. So that really would, that would actually hurt a lot. I was almost watching him trash talk and then him be not that same guy that he was for us. After the game, like, Rodgers and LaFleur both, like, didn't want to talk about him. So obviously they think he's being a right little he's, whatever, you know, like... They think he's, he's on the Greg Jennings train. Yeah. yeah, he's talking like Greg Jennings, but he actually like put up instead. Like Greg Jennings never really put up what he was he was spewing, and then he would just suck. But so. they obviously feel he's the load of crap on the way he was treated last year in Green Bay. Well, yeah, let's. You know. I think we all got a little bit of okay. Zadarius Smith had a sack. All right, did you watch him on a run play? <laughs> well, oh, he did. He's awful. Yeah. He's terrible. And then he just comes off the field. He only played, like, right. 15 snaps. So is it really, like, man, he's really good. Nah. You're saying he's more on the Clay Matthews program? Yeah. They'll get a couple of good plays out of him. And and he, and he was rested all offseason. So, yeah, he's going to look yeah, like he, that. He played, what, one snap last, by we, <laughs> last fall by, in the playoffs? By the second time we play the Vikings, who wants to take a bet if he's on the field? Oh, at he's all? not. He won't be. No. Just even wait this week. He'll be totally different this week because he's he was all jacked. He's soft. That's all he wanted yeah. to do. Yeah, that was he, me talk, calling a six foot seven, three hundred pound man soft. I don't. He's soft. I think he's soft. His Twitter had him with like a big old smile, and it was hashtag cheese, cheese grinder, cheese say grater, cheese. say cheese, say cheese, because yeah, yeah. he was smiling. Yeah, I I was pissed they lost, but in the back of my mind, I just had a feeling like they're gonna they're gonna lay an the, egg again. It was the Saints. Yeah, I said it uh, on Monday when we. When we met, I said, you know, I this is the first time I – or not the first time, but I was not that excited for Green Bay Packers football. It was weird because I, I knew, like, this is how this is going to go. But you can feel it. Aaron doesn't want to play preseason, doesn't want to work with the, the receiver core, and then they had all sorts of miscommunications. And when, when Watson dropped that for – like. In his hands. Oh, yeah. That was like, bad. could you imagine starting off your career with basically a touchdown bomb and just drops it? And he's been and talking since he got drafted how big of a Packer fan he is, and his mom's this huge Packer. Like, that's his team. Like, But that was Devontae, too. Yeah, Devontae, Devontae was dropped, not good early. Yeah. 
James Jones got better over time. He was another one like you'd hit him in the hands and he couldn't catch it. I but if you, it was a one handed above his head, you'd remember catch Jermichael it. Finley? The one I <laughs> remember was Finley, yeah. Robert Ferguson. Remember Mr. Ferguson? Oh yeah. Remember I'm, the year he got clotheslined and like broke his neck. How many drops he had? But he held on to the the, the ball where he broke his neck. He held on to <laughs> that thing. What I'm going to get sick of too is they were throwing up the whole game oh, like Devontae's yards yeah. compared oh, yeah, that to was the so Packers annoying. total. Yeah. Packers total wide receiver yards and Devon, like yeah. it's, and we're going to keep track of this all season long. Just, like no, you it's don't. it's funny because that's what they showed during the game. But if you watched, uh, and the Raiders still lost, right? Yeah, they they did. Lost. Yeah. yeah. So and I mean, if, what you, does it matter? If you watch, there's plenty of plays where Devontae is like hands in the air doing the what the hell back to the team because Derek Carr just missed him by 20 yards. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so like they kept showing highlights during the Packer game, but if you were watching their game or if you watched like some of the other stuff that was on Twitter, he was not super pleased with how things were going for him so either. Carr was like just flat missing him. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's Derek Carr. Right. He came from Aaron Rodgers. How many times did Aaron Rodgers miss? Not many. Right. Don't, and Devontae had a good day. I think he had nine catches for 73 yards and a touchdown like you had a no, i think he was over 100 yards so at, at one point i think they had like 114 a lot of the it screen, they so. showed like garbage time though apparently he it was, got a bunch I thought of it was like 160 yeah. yeah was it well he yeah. so he had a good day but there was plenty of throws that they should there was plenty of low lights that they showed that was like what are you do? where he is wide open and the ball is over his head in the dirt like just bad plays that wouldn't happen to me the bigger issue isn't isn't Watkins dropping it or whatever? It's the offensive line right now. Well, oh when, my god! Whenever two of your better offense lines yeah. are are not playing that game, when I saw that right away, I'm like, you you can't go into the game and and not have Bakhtiari again right. and Jenkins. Like we're we're not we're not going to win without those guys. So this was the fourth I, preseason game. Is that yeah, normally yeah. what it should have been? Would be your last preseason game where your starters play majority of the game to get their warm up, and since we don't do that. You know, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, with did, our quarterback. Did we hear if the line is back or are they still? Uh, the, the like vibe I'm getting this morning on the radio driving in, they're still going to be out this week. Yeah. Like David Lazard Bak- will be back, but the other two, it's like still out yet this week. Bakhtiari is walking a very fine line for me, where I'm just ready to be done. Yeah, like, come on, man, like. Let's go. And I heard him talk on a podcast about how it's like, you know, it's not really that my knees hurt anymore. It's mental, too, and some of that stuff. And it's like, all right, I get it. Like, it is a mental thing. We're going on two years now. Like, let's play some football here, Chief. You're getting paid a lot of money to not. Encroaching on baby beluga territory. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of what happened with Belaga in the end there was. Yeah. So. Elton Jenkins, I mean, he tore his ACL in what week? Six ish, eight later. Yeah, he's yeah. not a he's not a full year removed. No, no. So if he comes back next week or the week after, like, fine, like we're in the realm of normal. But and Rogers was hanging on to the ball a long time yeah. too. So it just right after Watson dropped, you could tell Rogers was just in little little B mode. You know, he just didn't. Want to play anti trust mode? Yeah, and then the line was—he yeah, didn't have his line, so you had to be throwing the ball quicker and getting yeah. rid of it. But they—they they, they activated the mountain off the practice squad, so it's going to get serious now. Have you seen this guy? Who's this guy? Jones Six, nine, dude. He's—he might be the largest human I've is ever it seen. Caleb? Ca- yeah, Caleb Jones. He is 
huge. It's like six nine, almost four hundred. I think he was the biggest guy in the field by a, a whole helmet in the preseason game. I went to. He was the biggest guy in the field in a field full of big men. He yeah. was huge. It's his six nine three seventy. Wow, he's a monster, dude. They basically. It sounds like they basically took him off the practice squad because there's a bunch of other teams that had linemen get hurt, so they were afraid he was going to get poached. So if you don't, you know, if you leave him. They can poach them if you put them on your active. They can't. So yeah, I think they'll. And they put Barnes on the IR for yeah his, his high ankle sprain or whatever. So was, they had a spot to do it. Yep. No, Lazard sounded healthy this morning. When yeah. I read, so that'll be good. I think too, if they would have ran the ball a little bit more, well, things would have been well, different. That's why that game's well. Is you get down by that many scores, yeah, and you, you get away. Right, you can't just yeah. So so that's what you're right. I yeah. agree with you. Is you're not going to win when Aaron Jones has like eight touches or whatever it was. So stop handing the ball off in the shotgun at the goal line, please. Oh yeah, yeah. stop. That was brutal. Even I knew that was coming. Yeah. We have like maybe the best one-two tandem in the NFL right now. Right. At running back, but that only works if they're both getting carries. Aaron Jones touching the ball eight times total in a game is brutal, unacceptable. And you know what? LaFleur had to talk about it in a press conference, and you know what it sounded like? McCarthy. It was the exact same. Yeah, you know, Aaron just didn't get a lot of touches, and we got to get that figured out. This is what he said. And I was like, that, this is why we fired the last guy. Yeah. So hopefully this week he uh, does something about it. We get, like, 22 out of AJ and then another 12 out of the other AJ. The other running at the Badgers this week, the O-line looked rough for the Badgers. Yep. They they just looked uh, they they just yeah of all the games go to this didn't seem oh, like a good brutal. one to be there. They just did themselves in though. They doubled up I, on yards. It was like four hundred oh, to two hundred. If you watch the stat line all game, we twice the time of possession. Yeah, twice the yard, like everything that twice the mistakes. It, yeah, and they just they they weren't playing winning football. They were just sort of all like, It was it was wrong. like four penalties on. First down, like a holdings that or, yeah, yeah like, holding just killed them. Gain of twenty six, first down and goal. Oh, holding, bring it back, and then two really bad timely fumbles too. So I didn't even watch the Badger game. I'm sorry. They were the better team. They just didn't play. Who fumbled the ball? That's my question. Oh, kind of the tight end twice. Um, well, no, there was they, one. The they there. I've never seen him where he had double. Interception fumbles. So, like, we had one earlier in the game where we picked it off, started running back, fumbled, then Washington State got it, and it would have been fourth down, but since change of possession, they got, they got, got it for first set. down. It was, yeah. wild. it was like, you felt like, wait, what? How does that rule work? But it, it made sense. Same thing, though, happened to us. They picked it off at a, a you know, would have been a game winner. Then we, then they fumbled, we got it back. Then the, on, like, the next two plays, Big pass fumble game like it just. So here, here's my text to my Badger buddy at the end of the game because he's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "Mertz threw a pick to a D lineman. He fumbled it right back to Mertz. So that's what Todd's talking yeah. about. Threw a pick. Washington fumbled it. We got it right back. First down Badgers instead of fourth down. The next play, Mertz throws it to Cundiff, who proceeds to fumble. Game over. Was it raining at Camp Randall on Saturday? No, oh. it was like. 
that's what it felt like, though. You're right. Like, we, you know, it was supposed to rain, but it was a beautiful day at Camp Randall. So, it was mental rain. <laughs> it was. It was. I don't think we're asking our questions. Is the loss Todd's fault? Because uh, he was at the game. Probably. Yeah. Definitely. No, I, I've got a bit of the yips because the games I've gone to, they hey, doing weird stuff. You just need like, to go to road games where kickers kick game-winning field I've, I've been at that. So I've been to like just, yeah, there's been good ones too. But they usually just look funky when we win. How did the south end zone look? Like it, they it redid the whole thing. Yeah, like, it, does it look weird? It Like where your seats used to be, like yeah. now they've got these like tables and they got like a monitor you can watch so like if you're at the game you can be watching other games uh, and i'm like why would you want to watch it, our game on the monitor i'm sure it was our game too i don't know and then they had like you know almost remind it reminded me of like the back area at the timber Rattler stadium where you know or those sides where they got like tables and mm-hmm. wheelie chairs sure. and you can get served but it wasn't as like fancy as i thought like it was neat but it wasn't I, they, they, for how many seats they took away, they right. sure got to charge a heck of a lot. Oh, yeah. And they can sell alcohol in that area. So I'm sure that helps. But where where it, were your seats? Um, right under the the overhang thing. Oh, sure. So they were fine. We were down a little ways from it, but they were good. So that place doesn't have a very bad seat in it. No. I mean, I guess I've never been on the, the upper deck. That's probably not. There's not a bad seat. Not as good. Rando. Even the student section was pretty full. Like, I mean, maybe now we're just used to them being real late, but it, by game start, it was like three-quarter full. So that's, that's pretty right. good. Maybe they figured out I, and they're fi- And they're filing them in single file. It's not like right. all the other seats, it was probably three-quarter full, but everybody spread it. Like, next to us, people didn't even come. Like, we, there was about 10 open seats all around us that nobody ever even showed up, so. Well, they were playing Eastern Washington. It was going to be a blowout. Why would you go to the game? Yeah, <laughs> Washington State. Or Washington State, State, not Eastern Washington, sorry. Their fan base, like, similar color, like a burnt red. So they could, like, kind of fit in until, like, the fourth quarter. Then you could hear them, you know, yeah, cheering. Sure. They, so it was kind of wild. They like, weren't sad. Yeah, right. No. Was, and on TV, all they talked about was their coach who yeah, it was Stevens Point. was a pointer, Matt, their coach was, yeah. And um, all right. apparently... Worked out with Rogers too for a while. Okay, Rogers talked about him. Wasn't Washington State? Wasn't that where um, Mike Leach was for a while? Yeah, Mike Leach was there for like ever until like three years ago. He yeah, was, let's see. Not ever, but yeah. I mean, it's still a packed t- twelve team. It wasn't like they were playing. No, like Nebraska isn't... losing to Georgia State or Georgia Southern. That actually saved us that day. Is like there was yeah. a lot, like Notre Dame losing, Texas A&M Nebraska. lost. Yeah. yeah, Alabama almost lost, but they got that a, was a the really safety good, call. That, that was, was a really lucky. good game. Yeah, and that was a homer. Like there was another play where Bryce Young had that big run at the end of the game. There was a holding on the end of the line that they totally they, they just let go. Let go. I mean, that yeah. shouldn't have. He should, it was holding. Yeah. They're totally Nick Saban, that officiating right. crew. Like, yeah. Jake Dickert? Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's cool for him. Like, comes back to his home state. Right. He was a Badger fan, all that stuff. You know, like, good for him, but not good for us. Not good for us. All right. All right. You guys ready to get into our topic for today? Ready. 
All right. So, Bill, this was your baby. So, my, baby. my corn's not going to dry. Now, what do I do? Yeah. So, caveat here, one disclaimer. This is not a nutrition talk. Like, we're not going to pretend to be nutritionists today and tell you, should you do high moisture? Should you do snaplage? Should you do dry corn, right? That This isn't what we're talking about. So, we're, get, we're looking at, like, how agronomic. Yeah. Agronomists like, would look at it, like, what are the... Your corn's not going to dry. What are the options? Yeah. Like, here's plan B. And, and some of this, for me, I was in some fields yesterday that are end up going to be silage, but got me thinking about, okay, what happens when our corn doesn't get to dry corn and it isn't BMR? Like, what are we going to do with some of this in-between corn? So and, that's a good point, Bill. Is like, option A is probably just switch to silage. Right. Right now, before it gets too dry, just go that if you don't think it's make it it's yeah because i was in a couple of fields yesterday planted june 22nd yeah and it was 92 day corn she's like oh 92 day corn. no it was it's, still it's, white like there yeah. was still some cobs that were white it, it amazed me how good that type of corn looked oh it looks great it looks, the ears are above my head it looks awesome the cobs are better yep. like it, it had no stress of the late may cold right it's just but not it's still, burn. it's still, but it's also a blister stage, units. and we're talking about it making grain corn. Right yeah, now. it's still a month behind. Yeah. yeah, it caught up though. Like what's amazed me is like, say it's a planted a month later. It didn't it, tassel a month. It later. looks more like two weeks later, but that two weeks is the wrong two weeks. Yeah, we needed <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So what I'm worried about is the corn on this farm that was planted maybe two weeks sooner that is yellow but not dented. Yeah, like sure, like okay, so are you thinking dry corn here? And then I got to talk and they're like, no, we weren't planning on dry corn. And it's one of them, like you wipe your brow, like phew. Yeah. Like, thank God. Cause this ain't making it like, and, and dry corn's tough. Cause September, we get enough heat sometimes that it can change it. But then once you hit October, I'm just yeah. gonna, you know, we're two weeks away from like the, just the GDUs just going. Burr. Yeah. What is it? A hot day in August is yeah. worth two in September yeah. and four in October. I'm just going to so. throw this out there. I'm not seeing the uh, September game changer weather on, True. The, on the forecast well, right now. We're still warmer yeah, no. than the normal. We're still say. hitting eighties this For week. I mean, four more days. Yeah. And then the hard part pretty is a big cliff coming. It was 47 when I woke up this morning. The great, yeah. The so it's going to cool, take a yeah. lot, like a long, like supposed to be 80 something today, but we, it's Even, gonna take that's a, a great point, Bill. When we look at GDUs, we always look at the high, but the low matters right. a lot more if yeah. you're under 50, especially. Right. So, yeah. and I look at like yesterday it was supposed to be 80 degrees, but it started like this, where it was 49, 50 in the morning. It never got to 80 yesterday. No, it got like I was driving to football practice last night, and it was 65, and I was like, "Well, that's not 80. That's not yeah. even close to 80." So these cold, this cold overnight is a lot. Can yeah. be really deceptive, right? Your hottest point in the day is usually three o'clock in the afternoon now, not noon. So what got me thinking was okay. So we know what silage acres we're going to have. We know if it's going to make grain, like dry grain. What do we do with the rest of it? And there's you know we can make high moisture, and then there's also this snaplage, and that farm was kind of kicking around snaplage, and I don't know that it's really that. It isn't that popular, right? Not many guys do it. So if you are considering that, I guess we just want to talk through like what it's good for, what the benefits are, and when to harvest. How do you figure that out? Because it's not like you can take Snapple gear and put it in a grain moisture tester as it in that form and figure it out. You got to do some other things. So anyhow, 
High moisture, what is it? I think we all know, but just to go over it again, it's any corn that's above 24%. So just it's high moisture, right? It's not, it's not going to be in a bin. Yeah, and it's a range. I mean, guys take it at a whole range of moistures, so all depends how you're storing it, if you're putting it in a harvester versus bags or silos. So The range I was always taught was 28 to 32. That's just the easy range. If it's 28 to 32, be going. So good things about high moisture can spread your workload. You can get started combining sooner, uh, reduces harvest loss because it's not shelling out. Um, could be more palatable than dry corn. You know, the cows like it. Again, I'd, we're not going to get deep in the weeds on on uh, nutrition, but just some things. I do um, like the smell of high moisture corn yeah. coming out of the. I'm not a nutritionist, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. <laughs> Holiday Inn Express. Oh, sorry, Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> Um, you can go to a longer season hybrid because you're not worried about getting all that moisture down. You know, you can push your moisture a little bit longer. Um, about two to three weeks we can figure on, on that. So um, I guess, again, that's kind of the advantage of high moisture corn. Um, some disadvantages, obviously you can't market it then, right? If it's not going to get dry, you can't market it. So you're focused on feeding. Um, and maybe for a cash grain person that they have corn that's not going to make it, maybe you have a relationship with a dairy and you can... Yeah, sell some help. high moisture, maybe trade it for some manure. That's a good idea. It's a very good idea. Um, you know, you got to store it differently. you got to process it. So those are kind of some of the things. If you don't store it correctly, like anything else, silage or whatever, you're going to spoil, right? So kind of make sure that that's why we're in that that range. So again, I didn't want to go too deep into high moisture because I think everybody for the most part knows um, it was more, this is more of a snappage conversation today. Uh, but remember 2832 um, and I had some guys making high moisture last year that was like 24. That doesn't, it doesn't go well. It doesn't ferment. Like yeah. It, yeah. That is one thing I would say with the, one of the disadvantages is it does seem it's, Obviously, a lot more variable than dry corn. Like dry corn, the nutritionist knows what they're getting. They know it's going to be consistent in the diet. Where high moisture, since there's that range of moisture, it's it can be very different. So that is one. It just seemed I was surprised. I had some farms going away from high moisture, and it was their nutritionist didn't they they didn't like the inconsistency that they can get. Whereas they know some of it's a hybrid. What what. A hybrid two of feeding, like during the hot, humid months, they feed dry corn, and yep. then in the cold, colder, like winter time, they feed the high moisture because it is more stable. So that's a positive. But you got to be able to handle it that way. Yeah. So. So what I'm hearing is we should probably consult our nutritionist before we take off some yeah. of these crops. Yeah. Yep. Decide what you want, and then. Talk to your agronomist on how to get there, right? How to get it off correctly. Yep, we can help you test moisture and figure out when the window is to go. So moving on, what what is snaplage? Um, and there's some earlage snaplage. I think it's pretty much similar. Um, but snaplage, you harvest it with a commercial forage harvester, like a chopper, basically, um, with a, basically a combine snapper head. So you put a combine head on a chopper. And you'd harvest corn. Um, so, what kind of monster is this you speak of? <laughs> it's, it's a, 
It's a crazy beast. Um, so it's kind of wetter corn, and it you get the grain, of course. You get the cob. You get the husk around the ear, and then you do get some some of the plant, like whatever makes it through the, the combine head kind of goes through the chopper, and you chop it up. That's snapplage. Um, cool part about it is you get a little bit higher yield. Obviously, with the cob and some shank and some leaves, you're going to get more yield than that high moisture corn, 10 to 25% increase depending on probably the variety and the conditions. Um, you can harvest it even earlier in some cases than obviously dry corn, but also high moisture. Um, so then you get manure, cover crops, all those things that come around with earlier um, harvest. And then it's you get some fiber, so it's not just the starch. You get, you get more fiber. And again, like high moisture corn, you can push push your maturity. So if you're normally a 92-day grain person, if you want to push it up higher to get higher yields, you can because you're not worried that the corn needs to be at 15, at 20% when you harvest it with the combine. Um, disadvantages, if you, if you get it too wet, you can be, you know, we can have spoilage. If we get it too dry, it doesn't pack very good. So again, we got to hit that window. Um, the desired window is somewhere between 35 and 40%-ish, somewhere in there. Um, you can go up to 45, you go down to 32. So there's a decent range, but I think the sweet spot is 35 to 40. Um, there also could be, in some of the papers I was reading, the cows could sort it a little bit versus... Sure, they may... High moisture, right? You just get the grain where if you do this, they could sort the cob out or... Or the husk or... Right. Yeah. So there could be some issues there. Again, that's a nutritionist um, issue. Uh, so then how, as a agronomist, how do we determine when to harvest that? Because right now, all four of us are knee-deep into taking silage samples, cutting plants, bringing them back to the office, chopping them up, putting them on our on our dehydrators and going at it that way with the silage. And obviously with grain corn, you can shell it out and take it to the mill or we have a kind of a portable tester. Um, this is kind of in between. Um, I know Max, you've done some in the past, you know, basically just, you were just breaking cobs off and yep. Cob husk shank and just throwing it right through the chipper like that. Yep. Processing it like a silage sample basically. So, so that's a, one option. The other cool option I saw was UW put a paper out that stated that snappage is usually 5% higher in moisture than what the kernels are. So potentially we could, we could shell it out like green corn and then just add five points, and that could be our snappage moisture. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, it might be as much work to shell corn at 35 say, yeah. Yeah. Shelling that's is true. not as fun. That's oh, true. At that moisture, I mean, shelling is awesome you know even even for high moisture it gets tough but like under 24 percent shelling is yeah the, the webbing between way, my yeah. thumb and well, pointer it, finger hurts already well, you end up like busting a bunch callous. of kernels and they're squirting like zits all over like yeah, yeah. It just is different that is true like just i can the, feel the blisters on my fingers logistics of doing it is probably tough but if you could do it right you can get it done in a hurry versus the, the way we do it is yep. 24 hours 
Fair mm-hmm. enough. So that yeah. yeah, I don't think you you definitely wouldn't want to use a shell or you'd have to hand shell that I, for sure. No, yeah. yeah. Can you, no just grind it. Can you imagine trying to run that through our shell? Or you just, <laughs> oh, you just have corn soup at the end. Yeah, right. Well, like Todd said, it'd be like popping a thousand zits like <laughs> all over the place. Not recommended. Why did you murder that corn cob? What did you do? So again, get that right moisture. I, I think from what we were gathering here, our th- consensus is probably still grabbing cobs, shank husk throwing it through a chipper, weighing it up just like we do silage, just treating it like silage. You're not just, you're just not taking the whole plant. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of when you guys say, I'm, I was reading a Michigan state article about this and I always thought snap lidge and ear lidge were like the same thing. Right. But this says they're different. They're, yes. And I didn't know that. Like I just used them interchangeably. Like, Snap lidge and ear lidge were the same. So, what, yeah, how would you explain they're different, Bill? Or what would you guys say the differences are? Do you use them interchangeably, or is it like yeah, I, I do? I, I do as well. Okay, yeah. no, it was wild. I'm a bad like. person. I, <laughs> no, I thought I thought they were literally the same. I mean, here, you're taking the ear, so it's just like, oh, it's ear lidge, right? Like, right. Why would we call it different? Like the way this describes it, and even way they're describing it, still seems the same in my brain. But it says snap lidge is generally understood to be the entire ear of corn, husk, cob, grain, and part of the shank. And it's harvested by your silage harvester with a snapper head and a kernel processor. Earlidge is similar to snapperage, but generally does not include the husk and has very little of the shank. Earlidge can be harvested using snapper head or by adjusting the combine to break up the cob and return the cob and grain to the bin. So... So basically, it's a bad combine job. So you could right. do like a really early combine job. Yeah, right. Like we're, call that we're more st- and I, I don't know anybody that I've ever seen do that. No, no. It's always been with the chopper. And right. I mean, that is the thing about snapflage. It's a specialized. Like you have to have the right equipment well, to do it. Well, and the way versus- this reads is like it depends how you set up the head. Depending how you get ear lidge or snap right. lidge, is I mean, kind of what if it you is. have a combine but not a snap head, snapper head for your chopper. I well, your snapper head is what is we're a, using. Right. It is is a combine Mind head, head right. with basically the special plate so that you got so you can put it on your chopper. But yeah, that was just I always thought they were the same. But no, I would have thought like, it too. In yeah. general, I think then we're using snap lidge in general. Correct. Yeah. 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 Most guys yeah, that I've ever dealt with that have done it have been snaplage. I think one of the cool benefits of of snaplage over high moisture is most right. Most of the guys that do high moisture, they got their grinder at the feed pile, and it's like that's the backup. That's the bottleneck. The bottleneck. That's the better way to put it. Like that's the slow point of the whole process. Is we can combine, we can go, oh. but it's getting it through the grinder and then. Before we can pile it is the is the bottleneck. Well, here your grinders and your chopper in the field, so just go right as fast as you can chop it. One one thing to think about is opening fields of snaplage. Um, I've heard from guys that do it that it's just very hard to open because the amount of stuff coming out of the spout isn't so. Like say say the you're loading behind you and you're trying to shoot it back that yeah, far. It's yep. just, it's heavy and it's not as much stuff. 
So I don't know if the newer choppers, it's gotten better. That was feedback I got about five years ago. A guy trying to just, they opened all the fields up as silage, like sure, now that sure. they were going to do for earlage. And then they just took earlage later. Snaplage. <laughs> Sorry, snaplage. <laughs> yeah, snaplage. So, so yeah, that that would be, and it, I don't know, opening up for silage now isn't the most fun either, but it just sounded like it was better than doing it as snaplage. So that'd be something, especially if you're first trying it, you aren't going to want to not, you know, like opening up fields would suck. The other part of the thing about opening up fields is you're using a combine head, which, you know, when you're making corners or, you, you know, you're, yeah. those don't take the role like a, like a Kemper chopper head where yeah. it just takes everything. So yeah, you almost have to square it and then come right, back and yeah. Right. So just in general sounded like opening up fields right now when you're doing silage, then leaving the rest of the field for, for snaplage could be a, could be a way, you know, something to think about when you're thinking about leaving it for snaplage. And usually those first, possibly those first couple of rows aren't very good. So I could see Todd, like you said, where you just don't get the volume and that volume is big on when you're trying to get that stuff to shoot behind you. Let's be real too. When you're, when you've never done it before and your first thing you got to do is open up a field, which is the hardest process of doing it. And you got to do that right away. I would assume there'd be a lot of swear words and like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Whereas if the field's open and you just could try it like that on a few, it's not, I'm guessing not, you'll like it better. Not regretting it later, it's immediate regret. Yeah, right. <laughs> and with all our small fields and crooked borders, yeah. like, I could see where that could be a huge We don't issue. have any of those. None? Nope. Never seen one in my life. <laughs> well, even when, you know, when you open it for silage, you make that loop to kind right. of go back like that. Right. Again, that's, that's just a turd. That yeah. grain head, yep. you can't. That doesn't really yeah. work. So, yeah, yeah cor- corner is not uh, it was the loop. I think it was yeah, right. more the than loop. a corner yep. of it. Yep. Yeah, yep. All right, so there you go. Some options for your corn. If you don't think it's going to make dry, you could do high moisture or snaplage or earlage, yes. which is set different from snaplage slightly. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So we have RNAi technology targeting corn rootworm. I like the uh, the reticle here on the picture with the rootworm beetle in the crosshairs. So farmers looking to gain the upper hand over corn rootworm pests have new tools to deploy in the field in the field thanks to ribonucleic acid interference technology. RNAi works in corn rootworm as it feeds on corn roots by turning off functions the pest needs for developing. Companies including Bayer and Corteva have introduced RNAi corn hybrids this year. Both organizations plan to ramp up production for broader farm adoption in 2023. So just another thing to add to your smart stacks. The hybrids offer three modes of action now for control, two BT traits, the CRY 3B1 and CRY 34AB1, CRY 35AB1, which is apparently now reclassified as GPP 34ABI and TPP 35ABI. And the new mode of action, which is DVSNF7DSRNA. So there'll be a quiz later on remembering all those those different names. The CRY ones that those we've been working with for, for so long, it's like, yeah, the CRY 3B. B1 or whatever, but, you know, we're used to that, but now we're adding some some wicked new ones out there. In addition to corn rootworm, 
Bayer says that SmartStacks Pro will provide better protection against above-ground pests, including European corn borer, southwestern corn borer, fall armyworm, black cutworm, and corn earworm. And Corteva is offering six modes of action, and it's Vorseed Enlist corn hybrids, which include the RNAi active ingredient. It's going to be available in a range of 93 to 100-day relative maturities. And they are offering three MOA modes of action for above-ground production and below-ground. So that's the six, three above, three below. Plus, it's going to be tolerant to four different herbicide modes of action, which would be the 2,4-D choline, glyphosate, glufosinate, and FOP herbicides. So lots of options there. Some new technology by just you know last week. We were talking about the beetle issues that we've seen, corn rootworm being one of those, and um, yeah, having the new new tools in the toolbox could be very helpful. Vorseed. Vorseed. I wish that was spelled with an S, like Vorseed, you know, like mm-hmm. instead of this. That's What's a weird... that for? It's Vorseed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it is Vorseed. Like, like their Chrome... I love. I, don't know, I like the Q Chrome, the Q Chrome. thing yeah. that they do. I, yeah. I think that's fun. And this one, I just, gosh, I just feel like they missed something. They big missed with, the mark with, on that. Yeah, I like so. I got the thing too, Todd. As Matt was reading that article, like, what kind of budget do these large companies have just for, for some for people naming just finding naming this random mark, name? Yeah. yeah. And then they missed the mark. And get Trace Adkins in for the Chrome. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite corn variety is chrome. <laughs> that is not a very good Trace seconds. I do not. It was bad. Did you watch his TV show on Sunday? No. But what is it called? Wait, uh, he's on TV? Monarch. Monarch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, they were showing ads for that. It's him and Susan Strandon is like the power couple of okay. country music or something, something like that. I feel like they're trying to compete with Yellowstone, yep. but mixing in country music like... Instead of just being on a ranch, now we're on a ranch and we're country music singers. <laughs> Was that I the... always thought, man, you know what I need in my life? Trace Adkins <laughs> as an actor. <laughs> Emmy nominated is what I was told all Sunday. Everybody gets Emmy nominated. We're probably Emmy nominated. We don't even know it. <laughs> we're not in television, so no, we don't get an Emmy nomination. I don't think they have you Emmys, get radio on. Emmys like for radio. Potties. The potties, <laughs> yeah. yes. I got a potty. Well, the bathroom's <laughs> over there. All right, so that is our spotlight for this week. Now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. So we got a late Christmas present 19 years ago. Woo! On December 26, 2003, EPA approved Yield Guard Plus Corn. The Environmental Protection Agency granted federal res- registration for Yearguard Plus, the first biotech product genetically engineered to cro- control both corn borer and corn rootworm pests. Decision was announced by Monsanto, which at that time was the parent company responsible for the development of Yieldguard and Yieldguard Plus, Bullguard and Roundup Ready Cotton, and a number of other in- genetically enhanced crops. Monsanto was pleased to announce that they had received their registration. It's great news for tens of thousands of farmers who were seeking the benefits of biotech products. Because but so many name changes on this rootworm stuff, I totally forgot it came out as Yield Guard Plus. Yield Guard Plus, yeah. yeah. 
Yep. So at that time, it was allowing protection uh, against the western and northern cornworm larvae, European corn borer. Their nickname at that time was the Billion Dollar Bugs. Cornworm and corn borer estimated at that time were costing U.S. growers about $1 billion annually in damage. So it's interesting to see how far we've come in a pretty short amount of time now. We're talking multiple modes of action, both above and below ground, for, for some of these same pests and some new ones. So, 2003 was a great year. You were six. Is that the year I you was seven, got seven. potty trained or what? That was, all, that was the year. That was the uh, we want the ball. We're going to score. Oh, right. oh yeah, yeah. You're well, right. technically, yeah. it would have been in two thousand seven, right? But it was two thousand three or two thousand. It would have been two thousand four because it's two thousand three season. season. Yeah. But we want the ball. We're going to score. That was that year. Oh, Matt Hasselbeck. Uh, <clears throat> good. Thanks, Max and Matt. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell a farmer friend that we want the ball and we're going to score. Search Tilt Talk Radio on your Apple Podcasts, on your iPhone, or on Android. Go to Podcast Attic, Podbean, and Player FM. You can also just listen on a browser on your smartphone or in your computer. Go to tiltegg.com slash podcasts. We're available on Amazon Music as well, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. Do you know what the best part about that was, though? I, I was, for whatever reason, like a month ago, I had that clip came up and I watched it. Was when Hasselbeck said it, like the umpire, like or the ref or whatever, that coin flip umpire, he, like he's cracking up too. Like he couldn't believe that he said it. It's like, wow, that's. And then, like, two plays later, Al Harris. Well, he was diabetic, so maybe he was, his blood sugars were off. Wasn't really sure what was going on, but I blacked out for a second. Maybe that was the original want to stick it to the Packer Greg, Jenning, Greg Jennings moment. Could be. <laughs> he was the leader in that department. All right. We'll do our cool beans. That's corny and some current events. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Wow. We had like a, we almost managed <laughs> to do it at the same time. I was trying, I was, I was clicking on the thing, trying to get the link to open. There was a little stutter step there. Like, oh, yeah. oh, 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 I was sure Max is going. So I was jumping. He was ready to cover. All right. Yeah. You jumped her out like Al Harris. Yeah. <laughs> This week in our cool beans, we've got Wapan Dairy and Prison Farms turning out milk, ice cream, and skilled employees. So the milk and ice cream that inmates across Wisconsin and beyond enjoy is <clears throat> made with milk sourced directly from state-owned herds housed at the farm outside of Wapan and a farm herd near Oregon, Wisconsin. Last week, Ag Trade Consumer Protection Secretary Randy Romanowski and members of the media got up close look at both the Wapan State Farm and the Dairy Processing Plant, which are both overseen by the Department of Corrections, Bureau of Correctional Enterprises. So, kind of neat thing to see. They're giving back to the community by milking cows, taking care of herds, and making ice cream. Who doesn't love ice cream? I mean, come on. Yep. So, yeah, pretty cool thing and great way to get job skills for those guys. I'm, I'm sure it's not the uh, serial killers working the line on that one. So, Hey, every cheese plant is hiring in Wisconsin right now. So if you can go work there, come out, got skills to be on a line, you can go make cheese somewhere, got that down. And they're paying good money, too. Yeah. Like yeah. Really good money. Yeah. I, my cousin actually worked at 
while she's going to school, she became like a cheesemaker. And uh, when she went back to class, they had a hard time finding someone to replace her. So I saw a sign the other day on one of them said twenty five ninety nine. Not at the prison farm, Todd. Okay, this was in River Falls, not the prison farm. Yeah, she she was a professional prison cheesemaker. She she made falcon curds. (laughs) I. I don't know if it was right in River Do they Falls have or Falcon the, curds or not. River Falls makes their own cheese. Yeah, curds. Nice. yeah, yeah. I don't nice know if cream it was, and butter and do they call that. them Falcon curds? I don't know. Oh, I only went for some sugar, guys. Be, I didn't learn all that. I'd rather stuff. have a Falcon curd than a Falcon turd. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, I don't. There's a lot of cheese plants right there too. Ellsworth has got like four plants within like ten miles of River Falls. Yeah. So. Anyway. All right, and our That's Corny this week is a railroad strike days away. Here's what it could mean for agriculture. So nearly 60,000 union rail workers were considering going on strike this Friday. Looming strike is, uh, despite majority of the unions reaching a tentative agreement with rail companies, but the unions were not totally on board, which would make operation of the nation's rail system very difficult Possibility for been brewing for months and would be the first in nearly three decades. So it would not be good for a number of things. We've already got supply and chain issues that we haven't figured out yet and delays and whatnot. So a lot of fertilizer and rail. Right. Shutting down the rails not only for fertilizer but also Corn. for moving crops out as harvest gets close would would cause some pretty major issues. But you know what? The good news there is good news because it's time for the Field Good Friday, and one could say breaking news almost. Yeah, very close to breaking news. Is the White House has reached a tentative accord to avert the national rail strike with the railway unions? So, a tentative agreement to avert railroad strike will guarantee better pay, improved working conditions, and peace of mind for health care costs for the workers. It will also be a victory for the railway companies who will be able to retain and recruit more workers for an industry that will continue to be part of the backbone of the American economy. So, the can we get so the breaking news sounder, Todd? Do we have that? I have no, no we idea. We definitely don't. That'd be a new sounder for us. We, definitely we, should, we, should, we should find one for. For future possibilities, so so yesterday they were striking. Today, today they breaking news. Figured it out. They're not. It's still tentative, but it's a good good start, good direction to be the, headed in. The part I didn't love is says a verbal agreement has been reached between both sides. Like, yeah. eh, let's get well, some did just, writing. Did just happen this morning, right? So we've and gotta, it's a, yeah, it says that it takes one, time to get things on one thirty a.m. our time, two thirty a.m. Eastern. You always. I always wonder if those things is just two guys sitting across from each other at a table going, no. <laughs> it's like a game of chicken, but and at that, that time. time in the morning, are their eyes just super heavy and you're like, screw it. Like, like I want to go home and yeah. sleep. Yeah, fine, whatever. I've had arguments at a table at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. We did not end or start a railroad. I know. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to drink water. I don't need water. I'm fine. Yeah. Is that usually what the argument is? Yeah. All right. So there you go. That's our episode for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So we talked about options for corn that you know is not going to make dry grain with high moisture and snaplage, both being options, or earlage. 
In our spotlight, we talked about new RNA technology targeting corn rootworm being available in traded corn. Egg History Minute, we talked about the initial approval of YieldGuard Plus back in 2003. Cool Beans was Wapan Dairy and Prison Farms turning out milk, ice cream, and tra- training employees. That's corny was the railroad strike potential, but our Field Good Friday was that there is a tentative agreement in the works that will hopefully hold and prevent that railroad strike from happening. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.